and our society does need to be redeemed, right? Um, <clears throat> specifically, uh, tonight's lesson, uh, I just want to open it with um, just a short section, and then we're going to spend the rest of the night talking about the topic focusing on the forbidden. But before that, I want to talk to you a little bit about authority versus influence. Authority versus influence. In Romans chapter 13, starting at verse 1. Romans chapter 13, starting at verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. I have shared this passage many times with police officers on the street. I said, the Bible calls you a minister of God. And I had a couple guys, uh, we were doing a prayer walk downtown, and they had the Oktoberfest. This was a couple years ago, and there was a couple police officers standing there, and I said, I want to... I just want to thank you for the Bible calls you being ministers of God in Romans 13. And I shared them with them the scripture, and they're like, wow, you never heard this one. I shared it with someone at the, at the jail, and, they, and this person said, oh, absolutely, we believe that. I believe that with all my heart. So some police officers were aware of it, and most were not. But if, the, if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For, the, for, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So, <clears throat> influence uh, is important. And uh, there's been times when I've been on the job, and maybe I'll give you an example. I was on a particular job, and the foreman was never talking to the guys and never really giving them direction. And so I noticed that all the guys were coming to me and asking me. So I felt like I had the influence on the job, but I didn't have the authority. Um, because he was kind of a quiet guy, and he did actually put a lot of um, trust in me to, like, he just, he would talk to me privately a lot of times, the foreman. But... Um, Sometimes he would call, uh, he said, hey, uh, these six guys need something to do. Do you have something they did, can do? And I say, yes, that's fine. He goes, oh, thank you, you know. But I felt like I had the influence, but I really didn't have the authority. So when it comes down to it, that authority, right, that prevails in the end. 
evil authorities will be brought down by the one who gives all authority eventually, right? And we know God is sovereign. The Bible says he's king of kings and lord of lords, right? So he's sovereign. So um, there's a lot of things that we could think about when we think about influence and authority in the Bible. But I want to pick up a little bit where we left off last week, and I want to go a little bit deeper, talking about focusing on the forbidden. Focusing on the forbidden. And I think if people learned this principle, um, you, you don't want to be deceived by the enemy to focus on the forbidden. Okay? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So he asked a question to Eve, and he was trying to get her to focus on something that she was not to eat of. Instead of focusing on all the things that she could eat of, he was trying to get her to focus on the one thing that was forbidden. And that is the trick of the enemy. That is the trick of the enemy. So <clears throat> the Bible says, calls it the serpent, definite article of the. He was described as being separate and distinctly apart from any beast which the Lord God had made. And God never made a beast as subtle as this serpent. And uh, <clears throat> God did not design any creature to contain Satan. That was not God's intention. Um, but listen to what he asked. He asked Eve, Hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has, did God really say that? Has God said that you can't eat of any tree? And what does this imply by him asking that? That God is withholding something from you that's good. And that's a very dangerous thing. Because he never withholds, God is good. He never withholds anything good from us. He's a good God. And so, um, Genesis 3, the, verse 2, the following verse says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tr fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So, the woman was aware of the limitations that God had set. She knew about them, right? Um, <clears throat> and she said this, we can eat of all the trees, right? But of the fruit of the tree, singular, which is in the midst of the gar garden. And God called, caused two trees to grow in the midst of the garden. We talked about this. We've been talking about it a little bit for the last couple of weeks. But he only forbid the man from eating from one of them, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And somehow, the woman focused on the one tree that was in the middle of the garden. There were two. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. 
So you had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And, uh, but she got to focusing on that forbidden tree. She recognized, it seems, only one tree in the midst of the garden from that particular verse. But of the fruit of the tree, singular, which is in the midst of the garden. There was another tree, but she got to focusing on the one that was forbidden. And that is a sign of great danger. Listen to this statement. We must never focus on the forbidden. We must never focus on the forbidden. There are some things that the Bible says thou shalt not. Don't get to the place where you start focusing. Oh, man, why did God say I can't do that? I wish, I wish, I wish. I don't know if anyone here has done it, but I have focused on the forbidden before. And it's just a dangerous place to be. It's very dangerous. If God forbids something, then we need to give our attention to what he commands us to do. He does not withhold anything good from us. Nothing. Think about that. He does not withhold anything good from you. Brother Frank, you see that girl sitting right there? He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. He's not withholding anything good from you. That's your blessing. <laughs> That is your blessing from the Lord. So, um, if we get to dwelling on things that are forbidden, we can get ourselves into a frame of mind that's not very good. You guys, I sometimes have to get, like, forceful with people. They're saying, well, how come God won't allow me to do this? How come God, I'm like, hey, 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 listen to me. God's not withholding anything good from you. These commandments aren't, oh, you know, I just want to be mean and, you know. No, these are what's good. These are what's right. He's a good God. It's only the, en the enemy that, that'll get you focusing on the things that aren't so good, right? So sometimes this one particular guy that I talked to, I've had to shake him a little bit. I said, you want to do it God's way. You don't want to do it your way because God's way is always best. He always ends up being right. He didn't say thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do this so he could be mean and put all these restrictions. You know, he put a fence around one tree and left all the other trees for Adam and Eve to eat from. And guess what Eve got focusing on? The one that... <laughs> So we talked about that within the last few weeks, right? Deception can overcome the mind that focuses on the forbidden. But the Bible tells us what kind of things we should be thinking about, doesn't it? In Philippians 4, 8, it gives us a list of eight things in Philippians 4, 8. But God told um, Adam, ye shall not eat of it. Now, Eve said this to the serpent. She said, 
Neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. We don't see any place where God told Eve not to touch it lest you die. Did you guys ever know that? Did you look at that? You can't find where God said that. You can't find where God said, don't touch it lest you die. In fact, he had given Adam a job to dress and to keep the trees, the fr everything in that garden. Adam had to touch it. He had to dress it. He had to keep it. God never told that to Adam. So, the woman was made from Adam's rib. And guess what, Melissa? I did look it up. And yes, I, did, I, I read some different articles on it. It looks like, for, for the most part, that men and women have the same amount of ribs. Men are not lacking one. Looks like we got 24 each. And sometimes people have more or less. 12 sets. But Adam and Eve were both made perfect and in the proper place and perspective. Adam was the head over his wife and she knew it. And no doubt Adam had passed on to her the commandment of God and then he added one. So Eve was not lying when she said, I can't even touch it. Because the first sin would have been lying. And she wasn't lying. Because Adam is the one who added that stipulation. Adam loved the woman. And he was to be to her as God was to him. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Adam told the woman that God had commanded them to eat freely of all the trees except one. But Adam had also decided that the woman had two very special needs. Number one, a daily opportunity to show through her, her obedience, her love for God, and also her love for her husband. And giving him a sense of fulfillment. And the second need was protection from exposure to things that could not benefit her. There are some parts of the man's job with which his wife just ought not to be involved because of the exposure to danger they involve. Um, Sunday, I was talking about this Sunday night. Um, Fernando, I don't know if you're paying attention here, but Fernando is seeing a lady from the Rio Linda Church named Stephanie. Stephanie came to our house Sunday night. Fernando wanted me to talk to her about courtship. <laughs> she had not heard about biblical courtship. So I explained to her, I've been talking about to my daughters about this for years, and this is just something that I wanted to look at biblical principles. and re I've read books to find the way that we can best protect our daughters. I have a job as a father to protect my daughters. And so I, I started thinking about that. And sometimes as a man, a husband, I, I shared with her Numbers chapter 30, the, the whole chapter about the vows, and we went through the whole deal with the father giving his daughter away. And 
what the scripture says about the young woman that was found not faithful and taking to the doorsteps of her father's house and stoned to death. She dishonored her father's home. So I started sharing principles from just going through all of that. <clears throat> and I told her, I said, I didn't make any of this up. I didn't write any of this Bible. I'm not that talented. <laughs> Some of the best messages I ever preached were just scripture because I'm just quoting the, the best author. <laughs> the best book, God's word, you know, so powerful. And so um, uh, I was talking about that, that, that thing about protecting. And Adam had a little bit of that <clears throat> with his wife. Adam, as God did for him, provided a limitation for the woman to fulfill her needs. He told her not to touch the forbidden tree. She could help with all the other trees, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one was the deadly one, right? Um, he told her not to touch it. <clears throat> um, and this is interesting to me. This statement right here. The woman could never have disobeyed God if she had obeyed her husband. Adam made the extra rule as head over the woman. Because he loved her, he made a special rule that removed her one step further away from disobeying God. Ephesians 5, through 24 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But <clears throat> if she had not been focusing on the forbidden, she may have escaped being a part of the problem. She would have been focusing and concentrating on the bounty God had given her and occupying herself in those things for which she had been created. God, in his great love, provided authorities over us to protect us from destructive temptations. And sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we don't like those extra rules that the authorities in our life put. We, we just can't stand them. But had the woman simply submitted herself in this situation to her husband, who was the authority that God had provided for her, and submitted herself to God, then she would not have fallen. Lack of submission opens our spirits and our minds to deception. A submissive spirit is more than obedience. So when it says in Hebrews 13, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. It's two different words. I've seen too many people, too many people over the year, years who have focused on the forbidden, and this was including myself. And... Um, it didn't work out very good when people focused on the forbidden. 
Genesis 3, 4, and 5 says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. I don't know <clears throat> if anybody ever here, here had a child that you tell them something, you put a rule, and, and they ask you why. Are you saying you're one of those? <laughs> he was a lie boy. <laughs> he was a lie boy. <laughs> yeah, but I was like genuine, My children, um, I, <clears throat> I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, there was times when I was younger I did want to know why. So I told them I wanted it. You could ask my children. I probably overly explain. Are you shaking your head, Melissa? <laughs> you just nodded your head yes. <laughs> you just saw Melissa going like this, overly explained. You did do that. <laughs> so um, I told them there may be situations where it's an emergency situation. I'll say, get out of the way. Just get it out of the way, and I'll explain later. But if it's not an emergency situation, I want them to understand the principle behind why we've put this uh, thing down. We've gone over multiple scenarios in our training sessions with our children about running in the house, how to sit in church, how to sit in, how to behave in the restaurant, how to... Um, when we're in the store, how to behave. We would do all those scenarios when they were little. And we would, I mean, we would do some crazy scenarios. Is this okay? You're sitting in the basket grabbing stuff off the shelf. All, this, all that stuff, right? So we explained. We went through all of it. And I said, there might be a situation where, you know, um, we just tell you to do something. Just do it. And I'll we'll explain why later. Because I want you guys to understand. So, ch children, Thorsten children, is there anything that I've asked you to do that you didn't have a very thorough understanding of? <laughs> you don't know how to answer that? Help me out, Rosette. <laughs> Regina, what do you think? <laughs> she can't think off the top of her head. So, um, <clears throat> we oftentimes, we want an explanation. We want a reason for the limitations put upon us. Being a pastor sometimes, uh, and I love this one. I absolutely love this one. And I learned it from Brother Readout, and I have used it ever since. When your child comes and says, can I do this? And I say, uh, I don't think so. It just doesn't feel right. You know, because if they say, why, you know, this, that, it just doesn't feel right. I, I can't explain it. Parents, have you ever had that? You couldn't explain it, but it just didn't feel right. And so they don't like it, if I have to say that. But there has been times I have said it because I couldn't explain why. 
but it really didn't, I didn't have a good feeling about it. So that has happened before. There have been people in the church, they've asked me about specific things, and I'd be like, I, don't, I haven't really heard from God on it. I don't really know, but it just doesn't feel right. I have done that before. And so that's just one of those things. And um, there's been times in my life when I've talked to an authority, and they've done the same to me. And, um, and <clears throat> I could say that it has saved me, I think, from some heartache. In one particular case I know of, just when my authorities tell me, eh, it just doesn't, I don't know, you don't feel good, don't feel right. And when I f heard that, I'm like, okay, if, it, if they, don't, they don't feel right, they don't have to explain it any further. I'm not doing it because... And so God does that sometimes. Sometimes we want an explanation. We want to know, right? Children want to know. Matthew, you want to know. Explain this to me. Give me the philosophy. Give me the explanations. Sometimes I'm, I'm giving your mom some ammunition. Matthew, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. <laughs> Well, sometimes we don't always know. Sometimes, sometimes it's real easy, you know. Um, we can explain it, but what if sometimes we just don't know? Sometimes it's just a feeling. Um, Satan well knows the philosophy and the thinking process of those who focus on the forbidden. His first question gave the opportunity to express the law and also expose her weakness. His first question. Hath God said, he shall not eat of every tree? When she spoke of the tree in the midst of the garden, she let Satan know just how to defeat her. No one has ever prospered by communicating with evil spirits. Never. The only interest Satan had was to snare the woman by her own desires. The serpent did not question her about which of the two trees it was that she had referred to. Because there's two in the middle, in the midst of the garden. And she didn't even specify the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She only spoke of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. And Satan knew. Satan understood the laws that God had established for men. He knew which of those two trees were forbidden. And he said, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's a little tempting, right? He's so subtle. So... Her attention was focused on the forbidden. And then came that I thought so. I was afraid of that. Unfair restrictions. Oh, that God that you worship, unfair. You Christians bound by rules and restrictions. What an unfair God. See how he got Eve thinking? Look at, what kind of God is that? 
that would forbid you from having a knowledge of good and evil. God really didn't want Adam and Eve to have the knowledge of evil. He just wanted them to have the knowledge of good. So, there's nothing deadly about this fruit. You can eat it. You're not going to die, right? Um, maybe he was saying, I know what God is doing. I know that he put this unreasonable restriction on you. He's really keeping a very good thing back from you. Does God ever keep anything good back from us? No law, no restriction was to ever keep anything good back from us but to protect us. He might have been saying, you know, this stuff, it's really so delicious and, you know, look at it. Beautiful fruit, lovely flower, delicious. Um... That's just like God, isn't it? He's so jealous. He's so jealous over his position. Right, Matthew? You have a question? I already know the answer to this because I studied this recently, but um, why won't God bless me with the wheat? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I don't know that that statement is true. Um, but there is something to do with God's timing. So sometimes um, our timing and God's timing, you know, is not the same time. And, you know, there was times, there was definitely a time in my life when I was more ready to be married than at other times. Um, I, there was times in my life I certainly wasn't ready. I think I could have been more ready when I got married. I wasn't perfect or any, far from perfect, but um, uh, there were certain things that fell into place that let me know that it was time. Um, <clears throat> some people think that um, I don't know one of the things has anybody I, I don't want to promote this this is not anything that I'm wanting to promote but I've seen a debate between a satanic religion and a Christian religion. And if you listen to the satanic religion, it sounded like a lot of people who call themselves Christians today. It sounded so appealing and so good. Oh no, join us. You can do whatever you want. See, you can live any way you want to live. And they, they got that appeal going on. It's like, but living for God, you know, there's restrictions, there's these do's, there's don't. Yeah, man. And then there are some people, when I was a teenager, there was these people trying to witness to, at my high school, and they said, we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace. And I, I go, okay, just, I, I agree, the Bible does say that. But 
because of grace, it doesn't mean we, the law is done away with. Because Romans 6.1 says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Grace doesn't give us a license to sin. Grace had to come because the law doesn't have the power to save anybody. The law just shows us where we're weak. The law just shows us where we have failed and why we need a Savior. We absolutely, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I, I've already failed. I've already failed the law, so I'm doomed. No, grace gives us the hope. So I was trying to explain to these people, and then my friends, I mean, they were uh, adults, and I was in high school, and I was a teenager, and my friends were, you know, the, hey, Jim, we'll just let you talk, and they took off. It. But I ended up talking to those ladies for a while. But some people, they would just really do away with anything that was the law. And I said, that's God's law. I didn't write God's law. He wrote it for a purpose, for a reason, and it's perfect. His law is perfect. The Bible tells us in Psalm 19.7. And so, <clears throat> um, Genesis 3.6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree... Uh, to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You know, there are things that are forbidden in the church, just about any church you go to. It's got at least one rule, some a lot less rules than others. Some are determined not to go to a church that has forbidden things that they want to do. Somebody told me not too long ago that they could not go to an apostolic church because there were certain standards they would not live by. And you know what I said? You know what I said? Nothing. I said nothing. And I said, oh, okay. Um, I didn't try to console that person. I didn't try to beg that person to come. I didn't tell that person, come just as you are. I didn't do any of that. Some people will do anything to try to build a church. I wasn't trying to do any of that. But some people get to focusing on the thou shalt and the thou shalt not. When, when people come to the church, I never give them rules and regulations. What I do is tell them about Jesus. Because if you can, the original plan was to walk in the cool of the day with God before there was ever a Ten Commandments. And there was one rule, one rule, and that's it. There was no thou shalt not commit adultery. But by walking with God and having a relationship with him and taking on his character, you would know not to do that. You know who the law was written for? For the lawless. So grace doesn't do away with the law. It gets us walking and having a relationship with him. It gets us the grace of God. If he, or somebody read um, Titus 2. Uh, I think it's verse 8. Is it Titus 2, 8? Is it 2, 8, Brother McAtee? For the grace of God? It's 2 something. Or was it? 
2.11. Okay. Somebody read 2.11 and the following two verses. Now listen, the grace of God, the, the, I'm talking about the grace that brings salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. The one that brings salvation has appeared to all. Now here's a question. Is everybody saved? Well, we know from Scripture that not all are saved. It says, few there be that find that way, that narrow way. It, says, it uses, actually uses, uses the, word the, the words the few. So, but the grace of God, the kind that brings salvation, it's appeared to all men. And I have uh, shared this with somebody, a couple of people over the years. When I saw this, I'm like, I, I see grace as a teacher. Because it says in the next verse. That's what grace does. Grace teaches us something. What if we don't do as grace teaches? And we say we're under grace. Are you under grace? Because the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, quoting King James says, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Are you really under grace? Or have you fallen from grace? Grace teaches us something. So having that relationship with God, walking with God, I want to walk with him so I can learn his character. Let that be transformed. Made Because I was going to a church and they're like, hey, we're not about any rules and regulations. It's all about grace. And they, everything went out the window pastor was found committing adultery with two women in the church, the assistant pastor's wife, and the sec one of the secretaries, that church fell apart. And I, and at that, that time I was 19, and I started studying grace. And I said, grace doesn't mean you just do anything you want to do. Grace never says, live how you want to live, and it's going to be okay. That church is no longer in existence today. Um, he, that pastor gave a book out to everybody, <laughs> the, all the leaders. I was on the leadership team. And I was at uh, a lot of Mexicans in the church. And I was at one of the, you know, 19 years old. I'm a um, single, not married. And all the uh, families, you know, they felt sorry for me. So they was always inviting me over for tortillas and frijoles, and they say, mi casa, su casa, so, so, so one of the other leaders, they said, hey, what do you think about the new book that pastor handed out, and I said, I didn't get a book, he gave it to all the leaders, I said, I didn't get it, <laughs> so I never received the book, uh, and I found out what it was about, and I go, that's probably why, because I, I just don't agree with that, <clears throat> um, there was things that were happening, obviously, in that church that weren't right, that I seen that were taking place that weren't right, and that church fell apart. And um, so grace. When the devil deceives you into looking at things from his perspective, you are in trouble. 
The woman then saw the fence God had put around that one tree as being a burden to her. Forget about all those other trees he said you could eat from. Rather than that tree being fenced out, she saw herself fenced in. Rather than a protection, it was unkind to her. Unkind to her. Um, let me finish this. Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, God had a place for her. She was deceived in her own lust and wanting out of it to wanting more than God wanted for her. So we find her viewing the deadly tree in a new darkness rather than in the light of God's integrity. Yes, to the eyes it was a lovely tree bearing edible fruit. Genesis 2.9 says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But it was forbidden by the superior understanding of our maker. It is enough that God forbids. It is enough that he commands. We should require no explanation from our Lord. Sometimes we wonder why. The woman focused on the forbidden, lost her perspective on that tree. Rather than being a horrible, deadly danger to her, it became a tree that was good for food. It became a tree that was pleasant to the eyes and to be desired to make one wise. So when the enemy of your soul gets you thinking from his point of view, you have lost the battle. God made you with a need to eat, right? It couldn't be so bad to eat this good food then, could it? Right? Thus, the lust of the flesh reaches into your basic need to draw you away from obedience. God made you with a need to be surrendered, surrounded with pleasant and beautiful objects. Everything in this garden is lovely. So, <clears throat> Satan said, certainly there could be no harm in enjoying this beautiful tree, could there? I mean, God made it, after all, you know? God made marijuana. My dad said he made poison oak too, why don't you smoke that? <laughs> I remember someone trying to tell that to my dad. <laughs> Um, God didn't make you ruler over his garden and all the creatures he has made. Adam uh, <clears throat> rejected the animals. Here's a question. Is it not in your place to be wise above all else he created? Shouldn't you strive to be, strive to the heights of power, knowledge, and wisdom? To the animals, you are God's. Surely God could not get you too upset if you just sought to be like him, right? So if you eat of this tree, you'll be like him. Gain this wisdom. Cast off the chains of needless legalistic limitations and really be free. Thus the pride of life reaches into your basic need to draw you away from the loving provision of the God of all creation. To satisfy your need out of your own efforts and understanding. 
Now, when the woman began to see her needs from the perspective of self and Satan, she designed a good level for herself to live in, one that was above what she perceived God had designed for her. God has a plan and a design for you, and sometimes we think we've got a better plan. So she took of the fruit and did eat. God's limitations are never designed to hinder. Never. He loves, he protects, he provides, and he has a place for you. His rules and limitations are all part of his bounty to bring you blessing beyond your capacity that ye may fulfill your greatest potentials. The woman's perverted perspective on the fence allowed a corruptible concept of the tree so she was deceived. And the results were, were terrible. So be careful about focusing on the forbidden. There are things that are forbidden in Scripture. Change your focus. Focus on the things that God wants you to do because God's not wrong. He's always right. And then this last verse, I'll read this and this will be it. Deuteronomy, it's a passage. Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good. Always. The commandments and the statutes, the testimonies, all of them are for our good always. That he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. So be careful. Do not focus on the forbidden. Don't get to that mindset. And I've thought about that so many times before when my mind, when I'm tempted and, and I think, nope, this is not God's best. This is never God's best. And this flesh, it's tempted, but it's not what's God, what God's best is. And sometimes, have you guys ever thought about this? God's best doesn't even always make sense to us. How could that be God's best? Has anyone ever questioned that? And it, but it is God's best. So that just lets us know that our thinking is not in the right place. We have got to learn to not be deceived and focus on the forbidden. Amen. Brother Michael, would you pray in closing tonight? Amen. Thank you. You guys are dismissed in Jesus' name.